Good morning. Thank you for the opportunity, the privilege of being able to share a message with you uh, this morning on, uh, based on a, a passage of Scripture from God's Word. The text that I've chosen to preach on this morning is actually the epistle lesson for this second Sunday in Advent. It's found in Hebrews chapter 10. We'll read and consider verses 35 through 39. So do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed but of those who believe and are saved. W.A. Criswell, the longtime pastor of First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas, used to tell a story about an evangelist friend of his who loved to hunt. This evangelist bought a pair of Irish setter pups, and they were to be top-notch bird dogs, he was promised. Well, he kept them in his backyard, and he trained them very religiously. One morning, a vicious-looking little bulldog came strutting down the alley. He crawled under the fence into the backyard where the setters were spending their day, and it was easy to see he meant business. The evangelist's first impulse was to take his setters and lock them up in the basement so they wouldn't tear up that little bulldog, but he decided he'd just let the creature learn a lesson that he'd never forget. Naturally, they got into a scuffle in the backyard, and those two setters and that bulldog went round and round and round. And when the little critter had finally had enough, he squeezed under the fence and took off. And all the rest of that day, he whined and licked his sores. But interestingly, the next day, he returned, crawled under the fence, went at it with those Irish setters, lost again, crawled back under the fence and went and licked his wounds. And he kept on doing this. Every day, he'd crawl under the fence. He'd get whooped bad and (laughs) he'd leave, but he'd continue to, to come back. Well, this evangelist had a revival meeting and it would take him away from town for a while. And and so... While he's gone, he, he always wondered what was going to happen. And when he got back, that was one of the first things he asked his wife. What had happened? How'd those dogs take all of that? She said, honey, you just wouldn't believe what's happened. Every day, that same time, every morning, that little bulldog would come back into the yard and he'd fight with our two setters. He didn't miss a day. And I want you to know that it came to the point when our setters... All they had to do was simply hear that bulldog snorting down the alley and spot him squeezing under the fence, and they would immediately start whining and run down into our basement. And that little old bulldog, she said, struts around our backyard now just like he owns it. He got the prize he so long awaited and so much wanted, the backyard of those Irish settlers. So what does that have to do with my message this morning? Absolutely nothing, but I like the story. 
No, I think it has a real application to the apostle or the, excuse me, the writer of, of Hebrews when he exhorts us not to throw away our confidence. We're not to be like those Irish setters. They won every fracas they were in, and yet they were the ones who ultimately lost. They lost because they gave up. They threw away their confidence, if you will. Don't throw away your confidence, we're told as Christians. And it's an interesting word that's translated in our English versions, throw away. That word involves more than the mere actions of tossing something aside. It really involves a values judgment at the same time. The word signifies throwing something away or discarding it as though it was nothing more than a piece of garbage. It had no value. And so, just toss it away. And he's telling us not to treat our confidence in such a way that we would be willing to throw away that which really and truly, if you stop and think about it, has an unequaled value. I also find it interesting that this word is found only two times in the New Testament. Here, and then in Mark chapter 10, verse 50, where it it, it describes the action of blind Bartimaeus. You may remember that story. Jesus and his disciples are making their way into town and blind Bartimaeus is sitting by the gate and and he starts hollering out in a loud voice, asking for Jesus to take note of him and to invite him to come to his presence. He wants to be healed of of his blindness. And he's making such a ruckus, such a scene, that the disciples want him shut up. And so, they're, they're advising Jesus, hey, tell this guy to be quiet. Don't give him the time of day. But Jesus says, no. Uh-uh. Call him to us. And so they did. And in verse 50 then, here's his response. Throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. Now think about it. He's a, he's a blind man, a beggar. He, he likely didn't have much in, in terms of material possessions. In fact, that cloak might have been one of the very few material possessions that Bartimaeus owned. And yet, he cast it aside as though it were nothing more than a piece of garbage compared to the opportunity to go to Jesus and possibly be healed. We are to be careful how we treat our confidence. We are to be careful how we hold on to those things that God, by His grace, gives us. So maybe the next question is, what is our confidence? Well, I believe it is specifically the confidence that Jesus will return. That He will provide for us the ultimate salvation that we await. It has been promised to us. And, it, and, and we hold it as, as something of inestimable value. You, you, you wonder if, if that's our confidence that He who came once will come again. Why would we be tempted to throw away this confidence? To treat our faith as just so much garbage. I think especially when you consider the verses just preceding our text. In Hebrews chapter 10 at verse 32 we read, But recall the 
days when, after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and afflicted, and sometimes being partners with those who were so treated. He said, For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Why would you throw that away? Why would you reach a point like those dogs did, where where you've just had enough fight and you want to just give up? They gave up, up a backyard. By comparison, big deal, right? <laughs> we have a hope for a presence in for a, a life in presence in the presence of God, and it's for all eternity. This is our confidence. And so, if we have to go through hard times, isn't it worth it? Isn't it worth it? Has anything changed about your confidence or mine? No. And I know nobody likes to suffer, but does suffering really affect our confidence at all? I mean, here we are in this, in this Advent season. Another year has passed, and now we're in Advent 2019. And we are reminded again, as we observe Advent one more time, that He who came once and, all, and accomplished all, all, everything that was associated with His first coming will come again. The best is yet to come for us. But maybe is it nothing more than the wait is long and we're tempted to throw away our confidence simply because it, you know, it just seems to drag on. I find it interesting in verse 36, he tells us you need to persevere. And that word in the Greek is a word, word which means not to give up under pressure to do so. James makes reference to, to that kind of perseverance when he writes in James 1, verses 2 through 4, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of any kind. He says, you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. And the Apostle Paul uh, echoes the same kind of confidence when he writes in Romans 5, verses 3 through 5, we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. Not only have we been given His Word, the Word of a God who cannot lie, but we've been given the presence of His Holy Spirit to live within us, to open that Word to us, and to continue to lead and to motivate us in a Christian walk. And then you look at our text in verse 36. Again, it's just one more reason to persevere. He says, so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what He has promised. I don't know about you, but I'm motivated by the thought 
that one day my Savior is going to say, well done. Well done, good faithful servant. Enter into my joy. That should motivate each of us. Because indeed, the best is yet to come. He who is coming, we're told in verse 37, will come and will not delay. Yes, it's a long time. And there are many who would mock us because of our faith, because of our confidence in a promise not yet fulfilled. Peter writes about that in 2 Peter 3, verses 3 through 10. He says, first of all, you must understand that in the last days, scoffers will come, scoffing and following their own evil desires. They'll say, where is this coming, he promised. Ever since our fathers died, everything goes on as it has since the beginning of creation. But they deliberately forget that long ago, by God's word, the heavens existed and the earth was formed out of water and by water. And by these waters also the world of that time was deluged and destroyed. By the same word, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. Do not forget this one thing, dear friends. With the Lord, a day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years are like a day. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, some understand slowness. He's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. And the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire and the earth and everything in it will be laid bare. Hmm. Really, nothing has changed. This little thing known as the flood wasn't the hand of God involved in human life. <laughs> he didn't step out of eternity and into time to cause that deluge? Or how about what we, or what we celebrate now? Something we call the Incarnation. When again, God from eternity entered into time. The Creator became a part of the creation and subjected Himself to the very laws He had established. Paul says he emptied himself and became nothing. He experienced a humiliation we cannot fully fathom. We can't even come close to understand and appreciate what he experienced for us. He who is coming will come and will not delay. And in this Advent season, we have opportunity again this year to spend time looking back and to recall the first coming of Jesus. How he did come as that helpless baby. How he grew up and for 33 years kept God's law without one single failure. And went to the cross to offer his sinless righteousness in your place and mine. God demonstrates His own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. 
It's also a time of looking forward. To be reminded again, to be reinforced in our faith that he who came once will come again. And that every year that passes actually brings us one year closer to his return. It's not like the scoffers and mockers say in Second Peter. It's a fact that he who came once will come again. I've made the comment before, and I guess I think it fits. If Jesus is willing to come once to do what he did, and he did the hard work there, didn't he? He was willing to humble himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. And if he was willing to come once to accomplish that for us, well, why wouldn't he come back? Because when he comes again, it will be in power and in unmistakable glory. So how do we persevere? Well, the writer of Hebrews quotes from Habakkuk 2.4. The righteous will live by his faith. You know, in his day, Habakkuk 2 was discouraged. He couldn't understand why God would allow the things that were happening in his day, in his society, to continue seemingly unchecked. The rich abused the poor. The powerful abused the weak. Law was disregarded by those who were seemingly above it. It was twisted and used to hurt the weak and the innocent. He didn't understand that. He couldn't understand how a holy God could allow that. And God's answer, his answer was one that I'm sure was very difficult to accept. Because what God said to Habakkuk, um, in, in, in fact, was this. If you think it's tough now, hold on. I know this isn't God because he'd use correct grammar, but basically he's saying you ain't seen nothing yet. And he allowed the Assyrians, the Babylonians, to come in and overrun the Israelites, to take them captive. And it was part of his plan. And he never explained it all to Habakkuk because he didn't owe him an answer. But the important thing is the just or the righteous shall live by faith. Through the good times, it's easy. Through the hard times, it's difficult. And yet it's in those hard times that we really learn and grow. I think another way that we persevere is to do what Paul exhorts us in Ephesians 6 when he tells us to be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. To put on the full armor that God has provided so that we can take our stand against the devil's schemes. He says our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, not if, but when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then 
with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil, evil, excuse me, evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions and with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. And as he says in verse 38 of our text, if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. Those are God's words to you and to me. I'd rather hear the positive that I just talked about a couple of minutes before. I want him to welcome me. I want to receive that which he has promised for me. I want to experience the full salvation that he has provided for me through his son. Habakkuk gives answer in verses 16 through 19 of chapter 3. He says, I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me, yet I wait quietly for the day of trouble to come upon the people who invade us. Though the fig tree should not blossom nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls, yet, and listen to the confidence of faith here, Though everything seemingly goes wrong, he says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places. May it be true of each of us as The writer of Hebrews concludes in verse 39, But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but are of those who believe and are saved. May that be true of each and every believer here today in this Advent season. Because another Advent season means that we are just that much closer to the day of Christ's return. We are one year closer to seeing Him. We are one year closer to the end of any and all earthly struggles. We are one year closer to moving in with Him. One year closer to the greatest reward in the history of the world. So don't, don't, don't throw away your confidence. Amen. Lord, thank You for the reminder of Your Word that the gift of faith that You give to us is truly significant. That the confidence we have because of the promises of your word and the working of your Holy Spirit in our hearts and lives. We need not ever throw away our confidence. We need never to treat the faith, the confidence we have in Jesus with such disdain that we would simply toss it away as so much refuse. Instead, Lord, help us to persevere. Help us, Lord, to grow in our confidence because every passes is one year closer to when you will come again for us that we might be with you. Encourage our hearts with those, that, that 
promise again today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.